Emmanuel, when I am standing over the crib looking at a perfect little person, God with us, when I am standing in a hospital room looking at a perfect little person, God with us, when the mountain I've been praying would move gives up an inch of ground, God with us. When the valley I've been walking through seems longer than God's grace, God with us. When the songs come easily and hope is rising and darkness is fleeing, God with us. And when the silence is deafening and the light is dimming and the walls are caving, God with us the maker of butterflies and elephants, the only one to break into hell, rob its owner, and live to tell it, the only one able to redeem my existence, restore my mind, and revive my soul, God with us, the only one who knows what is in me, all of my depravity, and still invites to make me whole, the babe born of a virgin, the ultimate riches to rags to riches story, he is why I'm standing, I'm surviving, my life is for his glory God with us God with us God with us
We've, we've got some extremely talented people in our church. So thankful uh, to have my daughter, Emiliano, play piano, two 12-year-olds, um, try to entertain you with all of their things and worship the Lord together. And of course, Crystal Ray does a great job. So now you have to hear me. You're welcome. Um, Chris with you. Uh, it's not, not as good, uh, but here we go. I am excited about this series that we started last week, Emmanuel, God with us, which is what it means. In fact, I want to look at our key scripture that we talked about last week, what it means for God to be with us as we focus our attention into this Christmas story. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 through 25. It starts with an angel appearing to Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Last week, we approached this and looked at the whole story. We looked at the comparison between the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, because if you don't see them kind of together, they can look like separate stories. You have one that doesn't have any shepherds in it, one that doesn't have any magi in it, one that has Herod, one that focuses on Mary's story, one that focuses on Joseph's story. But in essence, kind of you bring them together like we did last week to see that the picture of Christmas isn't so fresh and so clean, so easy uh, to swallow, so, so uh, just beautiful as we make it. And although it is beautiful, when God shows up, it's not just roses and everything's easy. As many of us know, and it's real life that when God shows up, he's there to be with us through the valleys and through the hard times, but also to be with us in the supernatural and in to do great things, it can seem like both a blessing and a lot of hardship. And yet that's reality. And we talked about that last week, that our story with God is very similar to this same story. And yet the goal is we get God, God with us. He is our hope. Not just to take us and separate us from all trouble and all anxiety and lead us straight to the promised land all the time, but even through it, he's doing something and crafting and creating and he's with us. And it's the beauty of the holidays. It's the beauty of Christmas. Today, I want to look at this concept of God being with us in light of maybe one of the most well-known scriptures and verses. Um, you, you probably, even non-Christians know the scripture and it's based out of the story and a whole story that we're going to see in John chapter 3, but specifically John three sixteen. Everybody probably knows it, right? For God so loved the world that he didn't take, but he gave his only, this is important, begotten son that whomever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now we know that scripture and we know this Christmas time is the time to reflect on that. To We should always reflect on that, but especially now it's everywhere. You go to the shopping mall, you go anywhere you go and there's Christmas music or something blaring in your car constantly reminding you of what happened and yet we can kind of distill it or put it on the side like we do this concept and this idea of John 3.16 without fully embracing and receiving all that God wants us to receive in this season. One of my favorite um, quotes is from a man named Jim Elliott who was a martyr and his quote is, wherever you are, be all there. And how hard is it to do that? Husbands, you know what I'm talking about. You ever had your wife ask you a question or talk to you, actually give you a whole few paragraphs of statements. 
And midway through, you're going, oh, no, I don't, I don't know what she's saying. And then you're trying to recollect. This has never happened to you before. This, you're trying to wreck what was she saying. And then you're trying to make sense of it. And then you give some, yeah, right, answer. And how easy it is for even in Christmas time and the holidays to do that. It's like, yeah, I know, but, man, I've got, I'm focused on this. It's just kind of residual. It's in the background. And yet, today I want to talk about this idea of Mary having a baby and how this baby doesn't just add something into their life, but it actually, in a lot of ways, can inconvenience your life. If you're a parent, you know this, and people say this, babies or kids change everything. And you know this as a parent, but you, you, you don't really fully grasp it a lot of times. Like, now, hindsight for me, I've had, I've got a 15-year-old, I've got a 12-year-old, I've got a 7-year-old, so I barely remember me, just me and Casey, like, together. But I do remember those times where we were like, hey, you want to go out? Yeah. And we would walk out the door. Um, Now it's very difficult. In fact, Sunday mornings are really challenging for me because my wife uh, is the worship leader here. And so she's here at 7 a.m. most Sunday mornings. And so she's up, she leaves. By the time we're kind of getting up, I'm getting the kids up and, you know, I'm trying to get myself ready. But then I've got my seven-year-old and uh, I've got my, my teenager, which you think would help, and then my teenager, which you would hope would help. And then you've got the seven-year-old. And so I'm like in the shower, like, y'all watch Jackson. And then we've got a dog, and she pees everywhere. And then, um, you know, they're trying to clean that up. And I, I'm like, get Jackson ready. Here's his clothes. And I come downstairs, and he's still in his underwear, and we got to go, right? And so then I'm frustrated with them, like, come on, you know, I'm frustrated. And it's not easy just to go just to kind of do my thing and live my life and move forward because kids complicate things because it's like they invade your space and change everything. And, and yet, not just to be Debbie Downer, kids are beautiful and it's amazing, but it's not easy. And just like in life, anything that could be really, really great at the highest extent, it could be great. Also, it could be really hard at the highest extent, i.e. marriage, i.e. maybe that business you want to, Start as an entrepreneur. Like it, this could be a 10 because I could make it a 10, but it's also could be a 10 at the highest height of it and the lowest part of it as well. But if we just want to kind of mediocre life, the highest I'm going to get is a five, but you know, I'm going to not risk anything. And it's like that when you add these individuals into your life. And I can only imagine Mary going, okay, God is, is with me, literally. I've got God coming inside of me. How is this going to happen? I don't know. Just the Holy Spirit's going to make it happen. And imagine her plight and her frustration. What does this look like? And I think for us on the outside, even as parents, we can relate. But on the outside, we're like a baby Jesus. I get it in Christmas. And yet, here's the amazing thing about this story is we can all experience God in us and with us. And the blessing and inconvenience at converting. It's amazing how this works. In fact, I, I want to show you Romans chapter 8, verse 29. We're kind of inserting ourselves in here, but Paul is talking to the Romans and he says this For those whom he, being God, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Listen, listen to this. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What does this mean? Jesus is the only begotten son of God. That word begotten is very, very important because only like begets like. It didn't say Jesus is the only son of God. It's the only begotten. So the very nature of God begot God. Begot Jesus. Just like for me, when we went to the hospital and had our kids, we didn't go, oh, well, I wonder what this is going to be. Like, oh, oh, you got a lizard. And they kind of look like that. But that's not, I know it's not going to be a lizard. I'm not like the second baby. Oh, are we going to get a dog? Come on, come on. No cats, no cats, no women. No, like we don't know. It's, 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 not, it's not that we don't know the kind that we're going to get. We know the kind. We know we're going to create another human. And so scripture says, this is a very apologetic scripture, John three sixteen. God begot 
Jesus. The very same kind of God character with the seed of the father and a mother of a human, but not the seed of a human. And so he is of God from above. And here the scripture says he's not only God, like begotten of God, but this says the goal was that he, Jesus, would be the first spiritually born from above of many. If you're a Christian in here, you are of that lineage, a new generation, a new lineage, a new people, and Jesus being the first. So we can all, in a sense, if you know Christ, have this feeling of, I know what it's like to have God in me. You know, we, we have this terminology in the Christian world and in really secular world, for the most part, being born again. If you ever heard this term, born again? Unfortunately, I think in our society, this term born again is kind of a derogatory term or you kind of immediately put it with like a political stance or something because our idea is like you have like Justin Bieber, right? And he was in the world doing his thing, sin, la, la, And then, well, now he's a born again Christian. He's going to church and all that, whatever. I don't know his story, but we have this kind of idea that they're like from horrible immorality into this huge moral state, but in a bad way. Like they're super just judgmental and conservative that those born again Christians. And Jesus is actually the person that coined this phrase, born again, birthed again. And I want to look at this passage today in thinking about a baby being born, thinking about us being born. John 3, we're going to go all the way to chapter, or verse 15. I'm going to read this through and then we're going to come back and talk about what this looks like. John 3. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Weird picture. Next. Okay. Nicodemus said to him, right over there. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse five. Jesus answered, my fault. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Kind begets kind. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, I want to go back to the beginning and kind of parse this, because I think this is going to help us today get focused on the reason for the season. John 3, verse 1. Let's go back. There's this man who's a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews named Nicodemus. Now, Nick, we see, is roughly, I don't know, maybe you could probably assume he's an old man because Jesus mentioned he's an older gentleman. 
He's one of the leaders. So let's assume he's in his 60s, 70s. He's been around a while. He, in his culture, if he was a leader of the Jews, he was a scholarly man. He knew the scripture. We know from history right now that he knew the scripture so well he had memorized every single word from Genesis all the way to the end, Malachi. The whole Hebrew Testament, or we would call the Old Testament. He had memorized to the point, I mean, he knows every little thing, and their whole life is wrapped around this scripture. I mean, they go to synagogue, they wake up, they teach their kids. It's all around the story and the scripture. They know the scripture inside and out. They are moral, extremely moral people. And they're living according to, in the point of leading all of the Jews. And it's interesting that it says he came to Jesus in verse 2 by night. Now, why would he come by night? Well, I, I happen to think the other leaders and scholars are, are looking to Nick and say, hey, Nick, uh, at Nick at night, hey, go see Jesus. This dude is gifted. We know God's with him because he's doing miraculous things, but we need him on our side. Imagine like a, a, a employee or an employment, a business that is going, man, that guy's super talented. We need that guy. Come and get him. Like he's a little off. He's doing his own thing. He needs to come join us because we see God's with him. And so Nick shows up and he's, Late at night, because he doesn't want everybody to know, like, we're interested in this dude. Like, we need help, because, you know, we're super moral, and we know what we're doing. But he says, interesting, rabbi, which means teacher. This older gentleman acknowledges the gift of teaching in Jesus' life and says, teacher. Now, if, if it was like any of us, maybe your hero in business or in life or in sports, and they came to you and trying to recruit you. And, and they're like, they recognize you as something great, akin to the same thing that they do as a teacher. You would be flattered to me like, oh, that's right. You know, come on, show me the money. Like, let's do this thing. It's interesting. He says, teacher, we, not just me, we, I'm coming on behalf of a group of people. We know you're a teacher from God. No one can do the signs that you do. Unless God is with them. It's interesting, when God is with you, people should notice. I love where Jesus goes. I this, you kind of love this about Jesus. Because most of us would, like, hey, you know, let's negotiate, let's talk, let's play the game. Jesus is like, I don't care what you need, I know exactly. And he just goes, he didn't even let him finish, I believe. He just says, truly, truly. I say to you, he's like, all right, I'm a teacher. I'm about to teach you something. Truly, truly, I say to you, which is not just one truly. Really, really, I'm, I'm serious when I say this. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. This guy's coming and going, hey, we've got this kingdom. We want you a part of it because we're, and he's going, you don't even see the same way I see we're on, we're on different planes, he says, because you have to be born again. That word again is an interesting word here in the Greek because it doesn't just mean again like, again like we would say. It also means from above. So born again from above. So it's kind of like my, my teenager, his favorite word in the world right now is bet. Like you can't do that bet, bet, like constantly. That word means a lot of things. I'm learning. Like, what? Bed. Okay. This is very similar to these kind of words. A lot of words you get in Scripture, why you need interpretation. Like, what do they mean? What's going on in culture? Because you have certain words that are said that have a meaning, but then in this particular instance, they have a different meaning. And he uses it in this terms of again, but also from above again. So much so, he says, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Can you imagine how rude this would be? And I don't think Jesus is being rude. He's just being truthful to someone who's been at this level and height, a scholar, a professor, and this assistant. 
T.A. is sitting here telling me, I don't see right. And he says this. Nicodemus said to him, well, okay. And I think he's being sarcastic. How can a man be born when he's old? Bro, what are you talking about? I don't think he's dumb. What? Like, they, they understand birth. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered him, truly, truly. I'm not playing around here. I'm saying to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He says, unless you're born from above, you can't see the kingdom. And then he says, unless you're born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. You got to see it to be able to enter it. And, and a lot of times you could get a water and spirit. What does Jesus mean? He, he's simply, and you, you would know this because Nicodemus knows the scripture. There's several times in the Old Testament where water and spirit were joined together. One is in Isaiah chapter 44 when the scripture talks about God creating streams in the desert. And it mentions water bringing life to a deserted, dry place and the spirit coming. You, you see um, in Genesis 1, the spirit hovering over the water. You see also in Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37, leading up to the dry bones and the wind engaging and animating life to what was death. That's all this means. It's the water and the spirit, the water that brings life and the spirit that breathes. And he says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Like begets like. And that which is born of the spirit is Spirit, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again from above. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, okay, how does this work? How can this be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? I think he's going, wait, you don't understand the picture of God that it's not about what you do that makes you right with God. You are a moral, good, righteous man. And this kind of just blows up this idea of born again, going from super immoral to super moral, annoyingly judgmental person in our culture, because Jesus isn't talking and using the term born again with an extremely immoral person. In fact, he would say to the very moral people, listen, um, the prostitutes and sinners are getting into the kingdom before you. And this is why they're going, excuse me? You know what I did? You know how many orphans I served yesterday? Do you know how much I've done this Christmas season? You don't know me. He's not talking to this moral person saying, you need to be born again. And this is the scary part for you and me. He's talking to an extremely moral person and going, you need a brand new heart. The, th the thing you think about God that's getting you into the presence of God and ushering his, in his kingdom is actually keeping you from him because it's out of pride and out of putting God in your service, not serving him. It's a very interesting twist on how we think of a born again Christian. He says, you're a teacher and you don't understand these things. Verse 11, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak. Now he's saying, you said, we know you're a teacher. We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can, I, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now listen, he goes right to the jugular and says who he is and what's gonna happen to him. He preaches the gospel to him. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven. He's talking about himself, the son of man. And Mo, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He's not talking about being exalted. He's talking about a cross that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
What does this mean for us? What is, what is he trying to convey in this idea of being born again anew from heaven? With Nicodemus and all his morality and all his goodness and his Twitter feeds of, look what I did this Christmas. Instagram, oh yeah, we look at how great I am. Jesus tells this very old, very astute, very moral scripture, Bible memorized person, a very offensive thing. It's not what you do that's keeping you from God. It's who you are. And, and this cuts to our heart as people who, I mean, I want God with me and I want to know what this means. And, and, and Jesus coming in and saying, listen, it's not about behavior modification and changing something about your life as if being born again, that just went from here to here. That's a part of it. But you can't even do that part unless the Holy Spirit comes and changes you from the inside out. Unless like those dry bones, only, the only thing that can animate you is the Spirit of God. It's His work. Just like the only thing that can animate Jesus and the Mary was the Spirit of God. It wasn't anything we do. In fact, it shows us our need for a Savior. Not just a need to change the way we act. Well, just let's get Jesus back in Christmas. But see, your heart is still hard. Because I could deceive myself even with my very acts, not realizing I need a change. Let me give you an example of this. Okay, so in my house, in my backyard, we have a grapefruit tree. God, I hate grapefruit. Grapefruit's the nastiest fruit. It doesn't taste like grapes. It's barely fruit. If you're, if you're, I apologize. I love you. God loves you, but he's not with you if you love grapefruit. Okay, so um, just kidding, just kidding. Don't be offended. Our culture is so offended so easily. So I apologize if you love grapefruit. You're awesome. Okay. I personally, my opinion, hate grapefruit. Hate it with a passion. You put grapefruit in any other fruit bowl, the concoction, everything tastes like grapefruit. It's disgust. I hate it so much, except for grapes, because they have that coating and keep it away. Oh, I love grapes. We drop grapefruit at my house. Like, I mean, it's just huge, constant. I'm just like, gah, we got to get rid of this thing because my wife will eat it because she eats everything and anything. Um, she, her taste buds are amazing. Not me. Hate grapefruit. Now, if I wanted to maybe have a grape vine and produce grapes, and, and, and no matter how much I willed that grapefruit tree, to produce, just, just drop the fruit, please, for the love of God. Like, let's take this out and let's add this thing. And I'm going to put this mineral. And I learned online, if you cut it this certain way, maybe it'll produce grapes. Maybe. But we know how absurd that is. What, you have, what do you have to do? First of all, if you don't like that, you have to dig it out, get it out of there. And you have to insert a vine. You have to insert a different type of thing altogether in order to produce the fruit of the thing that you want. Jesus comes on the scene to Nicodemus and he says, you've got some great grapefruits, but you're trying to make your tree, your grapefruit tree, a grape vine. And see, we all do this. If I just cut it, if I just, if I cut these corners, maybe I'm going to cut off the sin and I'm going to do these things and I'm going to add, you know, I heard this trick or I got this, this message and it was a great Bible study and I'm going to add this little thing. I'm going to add this thing. You know what? The rest of the people, they're going to do that. I, I'm going to do this. I know the trick. I know how to do it. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, I don't care how well you know the scripture and religion, the problem at the end is you. The problem is your heart. And when he refers to the spirit and water in Ezekiel and Isaiah, he, he's actually referring to the scripture that says, I will replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. He didn't say, you will do it and I will give you 10 steps to help you get there. That's religion. And in fact, he tells this person, that it would be so offensive to, you've got to uproot your life, humble yourself and get a completely new heart, a new way 
The problem, Nicodemus, is not what you're doing. It's who you are. And that's the problem with all of us. I think about me and my testimony and man, I was doing, I was a good kid, like not, not having sex and not doing uh, drugs and not, and had opportunities and no, and I was a good kid and I thought God owed me and I'm really good. And, I, and, and when someone challenged me in a relationship with God and I was like, look at me, I'm doing everything right. When God challenged me, I realized I'm, I'm nothing. Like even the reason why I'm doing is it to get God in my debt and hopefully I'll be successful and people will see good things and I'm developing the kingdom of Chris. And God had to come in and say, your righteousness is as filthy rags to me because the very motive and the root is wrong. It's not that you're not fertilizing well, it's that you have a wrong root. And this is the whole point of Christmas and God giving is he has to give you a new root, but you have to allow him and you have to humble yourself to say, I don't care how it looks, I don't care what I look like, God changed me from the inside out. And it's gotta be by his spirit. Now here's the beautiful thing I love at the end of this. Jesus doesn't just try to fend the guy. You need to change everything about you and be animated by the Spirit. I love it. In verse 14, he's, he, he goes to this weird story where there's a big, great plague in Israel and, and the Lord tells Moses to put this serpent on this stick and raise it up. And as they looked at the serpent, all their diseases were healed. And you kind of read that story and go, wait, what? Which we didn't get to. But out of all of these topics, he, he's talking to somebody who knows this passage. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, you see the same way you are gonna have to uproot yourself and die to yourself in your way, I'm not just telling you to do it. I'm showing you, I'm demonstrating it because I, even though I'm born from above, I will have to do the same thing. He says, I'm not exempt because what I'm trying to do is be the first of many that will be born from above. In fact, Philippians 2 said Jesus would lay down his very rights as God so every, listen, every miracle Jesus did, every act of love he did, listen, wasn't fully because he's God. Well, sure, God can do it. He laid that down. He came to show us what it looks like to be a spirit-filled believer. And if you love what Jesus did, here's the beauty. With him in you and with you, you can do the same thing, but not on your own and not through your own effort. You only produce grapefruits. One of my favorite TV shows that I, I like to watch is called The Prophet. I don't know if you've ever seen The Prophet. It's this billionaire who finds these small businesses that he, um, he comes in and he makes them offer. And it's typically they're struggling. He's, he looks at their product and he likes their product, but he'll come in and he notices their people. Like it's all jacked up and their, their process is really bad. So he comes in, he says, I'll give you this money. I'll help you get out of debt and I'll help you with your business because I love your product. I love what you're doing, but I am now 100% in charge, he says. And here's the thing, with this, with this show, not many businesses make it because they're like, well, this is my baby and this is my thing and I've created my kingdom. And like, you're gonna come in and tell me how to run it? Who are you? Well, you're a billionaire who's done this a thousand times, first of all. But see, what those people wanted wasn't a new CEO. They just wanted an addition to their life. I think this was Nick's biggest problem Nicodemus, I'm not interested in like you coming in and uprooting me. I want you to just be an additive to my life. Jesus, oh, bless the holy baby. Just add this to my life. See, because I've got this company and this vision and I'm an entrepreneur of my life and I need your assistance. God, be with me. And see, God being with you is God being over you is God saying, listen, I've got to uproot you. and You've got to let me come in. And if I need to change this in your finances, if I need to change this in your relationship, if I need to, I need, I am 100% in charge because I know what I'm doing. And you don't. 
See, the crazy thing about this show is many of those guys are like so far in debt, they're on their last leg, and he comes in and saves them. And they still, by the end, a lot of times going, I don't like what you're doing. I don't want to be a part of it. We're going to do this ourselves. And how many times do we do that in our life? Say, I got, I'm just going to work that plan. Thanks for that process. I'm going to use that. And the problem was you, not your plan, not your purpose. The problem was you. And Jesus talking to Nicodemus says, listen, I'm not only the solution, but I'm going to die and give up myself the same way you're going to have to die and deny yourself to see the kingdom and to enter the kingdom. I love last few scriptures here. And really my, my takeaway as we close, if you could walk away with one thing, everything Jesus did for me, he can also do with me. See this message and the Christmas message isn't just he came and he's our savior, that's true, but he came also to be the first to show us the way to do it as well. He's interested and he deserves our worship, but he also wants our spirit as we humble to be united with him and do great works. John 3, 2, as we read, Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know your teacher come from God because no one can do these signs unless God is with him. When God is with you, you do great exploits, but you do them not for the religious reason, but because you love God, it's an outflow of the new root in your life. John 14, 12, Jesus would say, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So I, Jesus, I'm, I'm not just coming to save you and then move on. I'm coming to save you and resurrect you and change you to make you like me, to do the things that I did. Because everything I did was in the same place you are in. Luke 1, 34, I love this. When the angel, even, even Nicodemus going, how can this be? I, th I thought of this because Mary says to the angel, when the angel says, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. You're going to have a baby and it's going to be God. You're going to name him Jesus. She says, how can this be? I haven't done anything. I'm a virgin. I haven't done anything. And I love, this is the gospel. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit come upon you. I chose you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In Acts 1-8, after Jesus died, resurrected, he comes and he talks to his disciples. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God says, you know how Mary had to be just the vessel for God to move. You, in the same way as you say, God, uproot my life, humble my heart, but there's nothing else I can do to earn it. And God says, that's all I need is somebody that goes, I don't care about anything else. I want you. And says, that's who I can produce fruit in. And I'm gonna give that person power. You know, the end of the story is us coming to this place of humility, openness. And, and maybe in here, you're like me. You're going, you know what? I know I need to do these things and I know I should have this right heart, but gosh, I just can't stir that up. And sometimes I feel like I can, sometimes I don't. And, and, and the scripture would say this, continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, I need to recognize this season. I need your spirit. I need to be uprooted afresh and anew, even now. God, change my heart, change my mind, change my emotions, because I want you. I want you to lead. I want you to guide. And I recognize that you 
have a calling and a passion for me, first of all, to worship, second of all, to work where you have me. Maybe in here you've never opened your heart to Christ. You're just like kind of doing your thing. You're like, yeah, that Christian thing, that's born again, whatever that is. And God will either wait or put you in a place where you realize, ah, I'm not enough. And it's easy then to go, okay, well, I'll just add Jesus in my life. And this scripture is a reminder, he will not be added. He's here to take over because he actually knows what he's doing. And I want to invite you to a relationship with him. That gosh, when you see it, it's like putting on glasses. I was watching these really inspirational videos on YouTube this week of people that were colorblind their whole life. Like Scott Fiddler, we need to get him these glasses, these chromo glasses. They put them on and all of a sudden they see color and they're just crying. Because the same thing they've looked at their whole life when they put this filter on, it changed everything. And I think that's what Jesus offers us. You can't even see the kingdom of God. You can't even see it unless you're born again. And this isn't a religion of just be better, do better, work harder. Oh, this, this is a relationship of God in me, of God through me, of God with me, of God guiding me. And it's not always going to be easy, but God, I get you. It's worth it. Use me. You know, my grandfather lived a crazy life. Like, Always, always at Vegas, not that Vegas is bad, but I mean, gambling, drinking, him and, him and my grandmother, and she gets like radically saved, like scary saved, and um, like a little weird saved. And um, I grew up knowing my grandmother that was like, you know, I would just talk to her and she would just look at me in tongues and stuff like knowing that. But my mom had saw who she was before. And, but my grandfather saw her and was just like, she's a weird born again. Like, and they stayed together. He ended up getting emphysema. And all I remember of my grandfather was having this breathing tube. And uh, on his deathbed, hated church, hated Christians, hated his wife. On his deathbed, he had never He'd, he'd done some good things. We all have some good in us. We're made in the image of God. But he had, he'd never acknowledged Jesus Lord and just thought that was all crazy. And he's on his deathbed and my mom's talking to him. And, and I literally, we know now, but he died the two days after she had this conversation with him. And just one last plea to know Christ and something shifted. It's like the wind blows. Like somebody who I thought, there's no way this guy is ever going to turn. So much pride, so much hatred through experience. And something happened and he gave his life to Christ. Right, right then and there. And he turned and he teared. True story, looked at my mom and said, no one ever told me there was this much peace. And she went, are you kidding me? We've been telling you. And he just, different person. And yet, he's with Jesus because of God's richness of mercy. Not because of what he did. He didn't do anything. But I believe his heart was changed in a moment. But let me tell you this, it was a reminder of me, to me, that not everybody's gonna get that chance. And I see a God that I serve that I wanna give my life to now because I want your right way and you. I want that relationship and I want that peace, but man, I also want to do what you've called me to do while I'm here on this earth and see as many people know him as possible for themselves, but also for the rest of the world as Jesus empowers us.
And it's a reminder of God's riches, His mercy, but also, man, I'm thankful to be a part of the kingdom, not just enter into it. And that's my hope and plea for everyone here, no matter where you are, if you say, I need to rededicate, I need to refocus, and it means I just need to uproot some things. God, fill me with your spirit. If you've never known God, God, I need you. If you're willing to die for me, I'll live for you. And that's my prayer as we close today. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up and we're gonna sing this song, running a little late. We're gonna sing this song, make room. And I love the, the bridge to spirit come breathe on us. And I just wanna invite you to stand to your feet and I wanna pray. We're going to have our one-to-one team here pray. We're just going to take about five, ten minutes here and just worship. And I don't want you just to hear a message, process, but I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to move and fill us. And maybe you, for the first time, be born again. Maybe for you, say, gosh, I, I need a rebirth in my life. Something from heaven, not just on earth. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, thank you for your spirit, your presence, Lord. We say be CEO, not our assistant. Lord, be God in this place. Change our hearts from stone to flesh. Change areas of our hearts that are hardening and open them by your spirit, God, to make them soft again. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for sending your son, showing us the way so that we can be the many that you were the first of. In Jesus' name.